right, we are live. Welcome back to the sack. I'm your host, Connor Archer, aka Karch, your fearless talking balls leader. This is episode 18. Got a lot to cover. Um, one major, major storyline that you guys probably all know about at this point in time. Um, and we're also going to discuss NFL week 18. So it's going to be a good episode. It might get a little sciencey for for y'all that don't have a science background. So Bear with me. I'm going to try and explain it in best terms that I can. If you guys forget, I don't have a medical background. I'm currently in pharmacy school, so I will do my best to explain science information uh, the best I can with limited schooling I was given on these topics. So before we get started, I want to thank everyone for watching the video. Thank everyone for keeping up with the program on TikTok, on Instagram. If you're not following us there, please make sure you do that at Talking Balls Pod, both on Instagram and on TikTok. And also this video is always available on YouTube. We got every episode to date available on our YouTube channel at Talking Balls Podcast. Um, like and subscribe to videos, okay? Like and subscribe them. Uh, if you don't have a YouTube account, need you to make one. This way you can like and subscribe the videos. Share with your friends. Um, I have good stuff coming up and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So need you guys to share it with your friends, share it with your family. Uh, still need more exposure, but we're going to keep doing this, keep pumping out the episodes consistently because I enjoy doing it a fuck ton. Okay, first things first, um, I would be a bonehead podcaster and I would be a joke of a sports podcast if I did not mention uh, DeMar Hamlin and the injury that he sustained on Monday night in the Monday night football game with the Buffalo Bills, his team against the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm not going to explain the whole situation because it's three or four days later at this point. I'm sure you guys have all seen. But basically, in the first quarter, I think there were five or six minutes left. Hamlin comes across, makes a tackle on Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins. Everything looked normal. Normal hit, normal tackle. Uh, everybody was getting up fine. Even Hamlin got up fine at first. You see him pop right up, adjust the face mask a little bit. Two to three seconds later, boom, just dropped on the floor, unresponsive. Um, basically, they he, he lost consciousness on field. They had to resuscitate him with CPR on the field. Uh, they had to cut off his jersey and his shoulder pads down the middle. And it was a very scary scene. It was a very scary scene for the players involved that were witnessing it firsthand right in front of them. Uh, it was a scary scene for the fans, for the coaches, for everyone involved. The family was in the stands. I know he had mom and, and other people from his family inside the stands there. Just a really tough situation. So I want to talk a little bit about what the condition is that he sustained, um, how it happens, why it could have possibly happened. So Damar Hamlin experienced a condition known as commodio cortis. And commodio cortis is a phenomenon that results when sudden blunt impact to the chest causes either sudden cardiac arrest, which happened in his case, and it can even result in sudden death in the absence of cardiac damage. Now, that's important because this commodio cortis doesn't need something to penetrate the heart muscle, doesn't need any kind of physical damage to produce the symptoms that DeMar Hamlin experienced, okay? All it needs is some sort of blunt impact. Um, I'll get into with the speeds and everything like that a little bit little bit later on, but some sort of blunt impact to the chest in the right spot of the heart to basically sends the heart into ventricular fibrillation. So 
VFib is surface tracing that results from multiple wavelets in the myocardium. The myocardium is just a fancy word for heart muscle at the same time. All of these electrical impulses hit in the heart at the same time leads to disorganization. Now, where does the VFib actually come from, right? So if you guys allow me, I'm just going to share my screen to pull up a little diagram here. This way you guys can follow along with what I'm talking about. So here's a picture I brought up here for you guys. I hope you all can see it. If not, we're kind of screwed, but I'll put it up in the video anyway afterwards, if not. But so here's a, a little graphic of how uh, VFib starts, especially in the context of Commodio cortis. So we know that in Commodio cortis, uh, sphere-shaped objects, circular-shaped objects with a smaller diameter or a smaller radii, those with greater hard hardness are more likely to induce this ventricular fibrillation uh, during Commodio cortis. Uh, the velocity of the object should be moving around 40 miles per hour is what they found to induce the V-fib. Um, Tufts University conducted an experiment, and they found that velocities of 20 miles per hour, V-fib was not induced ever. And if we skip all the way ahead to 50 to 70 miles per hour, V-fib was dropped entirely, and the incidence of cardiac rupture and major trauma increased, meaning that you go from a low speed of 20 miles an hour, um, which by the way, T. Higgins' shoulder pad hit DeMar Hamlin. So humans cannot run all that fast, right? So they're not passing 21 miles an hour all that often. I understand that they're both colliding. So the, the, the weight of themselves colliding together can enhance the impact, okay? So even if they're both moving at approximately 15, 20 miles an hour, when they collide, that impact could be as if the object was more than 40 miles an hour. I understand that. However, Tufts suggested that at 20 miles an hour, which possibly he was hit at 20 miles an hour, we're not sure, there was no ventricular fibrillation. So to me, the speed at which he was hit was not enough to cause the ventricular fibrillation. Now, also, the orientation of the hit is very important, okay? As you can see here, the left ventricle is the one that we're concerned about in ventricular fibrillation. The ventricles are responsible of receiving blood and then pumping that blood out to the body where it needs to go. So the object, as you can see here, the baseball needs to hit flush in this focal point of the left ventricle. So that's also something that's very specific to this condition. It has to hit that sweet spot, um, and obviously it did with DeMar Hamlin. Another thing that comes into play with Commodio cortis uh, are different biological factors that differ from patient to patient or person to person. So things like biological sex, uh, the pliability of the chest wall. So if you guys go over your chest, you can actually press down a little bit. Some people will have a more pliable, um, a more, I guess, giving, you could say, chest wall, which would leave them to be high, highly susceptible to something like Commodio cortis. Um, and then also things like genetic susceptibility also play a role in this. So we don't know if DeMar Hamlin had any kind of underlying condition. We're not sure of any of these things at this time. All we know is that he made a tackle and then he went into this ventricular fibrillation state. If we look down here, the lower left, we see this is your heart rhythm, basically, okay? So if you look down here, this is your Q wave, this little uh, point down here, the bottom left. If we move all the way up here, that's your R. Down here is your S. And then if we move along the line, when we get to the top, that's your T wave here. So at this point, 
The QRS wave is basically known as the depolarization. Um, and what that means is the heart is going to contract, okay? And after it contracts, the only thing it needs to do is it needs to relax and repolarize, right? So as you can see, um, the repolarization happens close to the T wave here. And you can see it's more down the line. And then the peak of the T wave is kind of angled at a slope here, okay? And if we go to the next rhythm, we see the normal Q, R, S, and then we go up to the T. Now, in commodio cordis, what happens is there's a premature depolarization, there's a premature contraction, um, and that is usually caused from the blunt impact of whatever object is hitting the person. So this blunt impact is what you see here highlighted in blue, okay? So the baseball, the football, the hockey puck, whatever it is, is making contact with the individual, and it's sending the heart into premature depolarization. You can see the difference in this wave right here. The T peak is basically in line with where it starts, whereas in the normal ones, the normal ones over here, the T wave is kind of slanted at a positive slope. Okay, so we have this rapid uh, repolarization happening immediately. And what this does is if you look over here on the right, okay, the cell membrane is going to stretch out laterally, and that's going to cause potassium ions in our heart cells to be flushed out at a very, very rapid rate. And what this does, for any of you who know hypokalemia, low levels of potassium can cause arrhythmias. So this is what we saw in DeMar Hamlin. He got struck immediately. The repolarization and all of the electrical signals sent the heart rhythm into disorganization. And then this is what results, is this ventricular fibrillation here. You can see all the waves are all out of whack. There's no rhythm to it. Uh, there's no uniformity. And you can see it just goes up and down, up and down here until eventually it can lead to sudden death, uh, like mentioned before, and you can flatline actually. So I hope that made sense to you guys. Um, that was in as layman's terms as it gets. Uh, like I said, I don't have much of a background in cardiology or the heart. Um, just brief information I received in pharmacy school when we went over that topic. Uh, so I hope that did make sense for you guys. I think the graphic was pretty good in showing you the heart waves and how they're affected from that blunt force trauma. But all in all, we, we don't know what to put the blame on for DeMar Hamlin, okay? Like I mentioned before, all of the biological factors could play a role. An underlying condition um, could have manifested itself into those symptoms on the field that we saw Monday night. Did he have some sort of abnormal rhythm that was detected on an EKG prior and it was, it was ruled out as nothing to worry about? And then again, we saw it manifest itself during the game. No one really knows this. One thing I will say, okay, and this is not to get you know, on the political side of things, but, you know, we're still kind of recovering from the COVID pandemic. And me, uh, as, as an upcoming pharmacist, I look at things, obviously, from the drug perspective. So there are two drugs that you guys are probably familiar with, uh, azithromycin and hydroxychloroquine. Those drugs had been popular in use for treating COVID. So these drugs commonly used for upper respiratory tract infections, um, and the hydro hydroxychloroquine is an anti-malarial that is also used very commonly, um, in people with lupus. So the reason I'm mentioning these drugs is if maybe by chance he was taking one of these drugs, uh, a side effect of these drugs is a prolongation of the QT interval. And when you prolong the QT interval, that can send the heart into arrhythmia state. Um, and basically, if DeMar was on these medications and his QT interval was prolonged, that blunt force trauma to his heart could basically send the heart into the state of commodio cortis without him even knowing that there was a problem to begin with. Um, there are other medications that can cause this, like antifungals, 
um, also other antipsychotics and antidepressants that I don't know that he was on. Um, but again, we see these athletes as superhumans, invincible. Maybe he was depressed and maybe he was on one of these antidepressants that can cause the QT interval to be prolonged as well. Um, and also other antiarrhythmic medications can cause uh, arrhythmias, which is kind of counterintuitive because you would think, okay, I'm giving a drug for arrhythmias. How can it cause arrhythmias? But I don't think he was taking that either. Um, another thing is, is with COVID, we see people who have COVID in the past, as well as people who have received the COVID vaccine, uh, varying levels of myocarditis, uh, especially in young, healthy males. A lot of, a lot of those people who have received the two and three shots of the COVID vaccine are coming back with levels of myocarditis. So did he have myocarditis? We don't know. Was it caused by anything COVID related? We don't know. These are just things that are circulating around. Um, and the doctors have to go, do a good job of figuring out the differential diagnosis of why this actually happened to this kid, because it's a scary situation. Um, you don't ever want to see someone drop like that, especially 24 years old, young, healthy athlete. Uh, the doctors, they will get to the bottom of this. I believe we will get more information as it is known by the medical team. Um, but as of right now, it's pure speculation. And all we can do is wish for DeMar Hamlin to get better soon. Um, I know his teammates are pulling for him. I know the Bills Mafia is pulling for him. We're pulling for him here at Talking Balls. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday night. And as of today, there was a report that he is alert, at least. Um, he's still on, on the breathing tube. He is able to communicate, but it's only via writing out. Um, and the one thing that's very important is the first question that he asked the doctors was, who won the game? So what that tells the doctors and what it tells everybody at home is that he's mentally there. He's aware of what's going on. Um, and it's not like he's, you know, suffered amnesia from this or anything like that. He is slowly making his way back, maybe slower than anticipated. Um, but it looks like he is on the upswing and we're pulling for him. Our thoughts and prayers are still with you, DeMar Hamlin. Get better soon. We hope to see you back out on the football field very, very quickly. All right, let's move on, guys, uh, into better topics. Um, less important topics, obviously, but something we're still going to talk about. Obviously, the NFL is moving on with week 18 this upcoming week. Still unsure of how they're going to deal with the fact that they didn't finish the Bills and Bengals game. Uh, there was whispers that they may not even finish it if they can figure it out, and it may not have that much of an effect on the seating. They may add an extra team and, and then lose the bye. Uh, the number one team would lose the, the bye because then we have eight teams. Um, we don't know what's going to happen. But Week 18, we do know the schedule, so let's get right into it, okay? First game on the docket we're going to talk about, it's Titans and Jaguars. Uh, simple, winning in, AFC South on the line. Two teams that could not be trending in more opposite directions here, okay? The Jags just on an absolute tear right now, turn their entire season around, and they look like they're coming in to win this game and make some noise in the playoffs. The Tennessee Titans, on the other hand, have been crumbling in December, okay? They cannot win games. Ryan Tannehill is not playing. Josh Dobbs looks like he's going to be the starter for Tennessee this week. They are getting Derrick Henry back. Um, I just don't know if they have enough on their side of the football to stop this Jacksonville team. Trevor Lawrence, he didn't have a great game last week, but before that, the previous three or four weeks, he was lighting the league on fire. About three touchdowns a game, over 300 yards passing each game, leading the league in QBR. So I expect the Jags to handle business here in this game. They come in right now as minus six and a half point favorites, heavy, heavy favorites on the money line, minus 280, uh, over under 40 points. I don't know how anyone in their right mind is going to pick Tennessee with any kind of confidence. 
Um, this might be a public pick as well. But again, there is just no way in hell anyone is taking Tennessee confidently thinking they're actually going to win the game. If you're picking Tennessee, you're a fucking heathen. Okay. And you just love going against the grain. Uh, and if it hits, it hits. But let me tell you, they got too many weapons. Jacksonville does on the offensive side. We've talked about it before. Titans are just not a very good football team. They're way too one-dimensional. They have no passing attack. If we stop Derrick Henry, Jacksonville Jaguars is going to win this one very, very easily and march themselves right into the playoffs. One note about this game, Zay Jones has developed into Trevor Lawrence's go-to guy, if I may. Zay Jones does have an, an incentive that he's looking to hit with receptions. Uh, currently sits with 78 receptions on the season. He gets a $250,000 bonus if he gets two more catches for 80 total on the year. And he's also 98 receiving yards away from a $500,000 bonus. So two receptions, 98 yards. This guy's cashing out $750,000. Two prop lines you may want to keep a keep an eye on going forward into Saturday. Over four and a half receptions. I'm seeing it at plus juice right now. And then also the over of the total yards. I don't know what it is, but if you think he's cashing those incentives, you cash those bets with him. Next game on the docket, we got the Patriots and the Bills. Okay, this is an interesting one, obviously, because the Bills are coming off that half a quarter game with the Bengals. Uh, they did not resume. We don't know if they're going to. Bills currently hold the number one seed in the AFC. With that being said, they would hold the bye in the AFC playoffs. Now, the Patriots are coming in sputtering in December, okay? They have not been playing good football. They did just beat the Miami Dolphins last week, which was very crucial for them making the playoffs. But the Patriots not really matched up well against Buffalo. Um, they have way too much talent on the outside, I believe Buffalo does. The one thing that New England does have, and they've had all season, is a pass rush. So if they can get after Josh Allen... I believe they can have success. And if they can keep the game within a one-score game in the fourth quarter, that's going to be crucial as well because we've seen Josh Allen have trouble at times in the fourth quarter, okay, with fumbles, with interceptions, and things like that. So if the Patriots wanted to win this game, the formula, keep it close, okay? Don't let Josh Allen extend the play with his legs. And do not, do not give up that big play and let the, Stephon Diggs or Gabe Davis bust the defense over the top because that will be the end of you and your season, okay? Some trends, Patriots are 24-5 and five in their last 29 games after accumulating less than 250 yards in the previous game. Patriots are also 1-5 in their last games, or the last six games overall against the spread. They are 0-4 against the spread in their last four versus the AFC, and they are 0-4 against the spread versus a team with the winning record this year. Now, this game I don't even see on the book, so that tells me that uh, the NFL is looking into possibly shifting the Buffalo Bills schedule around. So just be on the lookout for what any changes that might happen to this game. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be played. If it is played, you got to roll with Buffalo. I think New England has a chance to cover this. The spread might be around, I don't know, four or five points. I do think it's going to be a close, low scoring game. Uh, I like New England to cover. Give me Buffalo to win. Uh, but this game is way up in the air. I don't really know what's going to happen. Okay, next game on the docket. We got Ravens and Bengals. Bengals are coming in at home as seven-point favorites against a Baltimore Ravens team uh, without Lamar Jackson yet again, over under 40 and a half points. Now, Baltimore, pretty good against the spread recently, okay? Eight and two against the spread in their last 10 games after scoring less than 15 points in their previous game. 34-14-5 and five against the spread record in their last 53 road games versus a team with a winning home record. Now, 
the Ravens are fighting for their life, obviously, to hold that playoff spot that they have. If they lose, they will drop down in the in the seating a little bit. Cincinnati's still fighting for that number one seed. Again, we don't know if they're going to have a chance to take it because of the implications of Monday night game with Buffalo. Uh, but as of right now, I like Baltimore to win this game. Uh, truth be told, there was a lot of emotional baggage that came with the situation on Monday night, and everyone is going to be processing it differently. I don't think it can be taken lightly. The fact that these Bengals and even the Bills players and players across the league are going to have to go out and play again after witnessing what happened on Monday night. I do think that's going to play a little bit of a role with the Bengals, um, whether they come out flat, timid, whatever it is, I don't know. But I do like Baltimore here in the road game. Give me the cover. Give me them to win. Uh, although these two teams do meet in the playoffs, it's Bengals all the way. Make no mistake about it. But for week 18, I do like Baltimore. Okay, two more games to get to, and then we'll wrap it up for you guys. <clears throat> Next one, pretty interesting. New York Jets versus the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins are hosting the Jets at home. Um, Jets are 5-0 and against the spread in their last five games on grass. They're 6-2 and against the spread in their last eight games following an against-the-spread loss. And a cold stat for you, they are 1-5 against the spread in their last six games after allowing less than 150 passing yards in their previous game. So we've talked about it once. We'll talk about it again. Miami Dolphins, I mean, have one of the most epic collapses ever in the month of December. They were sitting at eight and three, I believe, looking like Super Bowl, legitimate Super Bowl contenders at that point in time. People were talking about Tua, including myself, for MVP. Uh, they have since nosedived and spiraled out of control, losing five straight on the verge and in danger of missing the playoffs. Tua has not played well. Mike McDaniels has had some questionable play calls in uh, third and short situations, fourth and short situations. Maybe that's him being a rookie head coach, growing pains and learning how to manage a game. But Miami definitely does not look like the same Miami team from five or six weeks ago. Can the Jets beat them? Absolutely. They have a defense that can shut down the Miami offense. No problem. We've seen them take teams for 60 minutes, no points allowed. Okay, they did it against the Patriots and wound up losing that game on a, on a punt return. So the Jets have a top tier defense. I'm not worried about that. I'm more worried about if Miami is going to be that team, that A-grade team that we saw earlier in the year. I have no confidence in them, but at the same time, I don't really have confidence in the New York Jets quarterback play, whether it's Mike White or Zach Wilson. Um, I don't know if these guys are going to be able to pull it out against Miami. Miami is playing at home, which is good for them. Comfort of being at home in front of your own fans for this game that they absolutely need to win. If they don't win this game, uh, Dolphins fans, let me know in the comments, what are we going to do? If they don't win this game, uh, do we remove Tua? Do we look for someone else, right? Do we put blame on Mike McDaniels and put pressure on him? Do we think it's his fault? I mean, what is the issue with his organization? Is it something at the top? Is it a cultural issue? Because this is not the first December collapse that we've seen from the Miami Dolphins. And I know fans are frustrated and I'm a little bit frustrated as well. I did place a futures bet back on them in September to win the Super Bowl. And now I basically should have just given that money to charity. So I don't know what they're doing. I hope they figure it out because in all honesty, they were one of the most, no, forget that. They are the most electric and most fun offense to watch in the league when they are clicking. But when they're not, they look dysfunctional and they look that of the Houston Texans. So which Miami Dolphins team is going to show up? Listen, if they play well and win, we can consider them back for the playoffs. If they win, but they don't play well, or if they play poorly and lose, this team's a wrap. They're done. Uh, they're going to get toasted in the first round of the playoffs, and then we'll see them next year. But 
The Dolphins, I do like them. I like them to get back on track here in this game. Okay, Mike McDaniels, I hope he's pounding this into the guy's head. This is a playoff game. Make no mistake about it. The Dolphins playoff starts right here. Two-point favorites at home, minus 135 on the money line. I think I've taken them two straight weeks on the spread, and they've boned me both weeks. Going to play it safe. Okay, Mike McDaniels, Tyreek, give me a dub. Dolphins money line, minus 135. Lock it up. All right, last game on the docket, and we will call it a night. Detroit Lions, America's team, going against Green Bay Packers and America's villain in Aaron Rodgers. Couldn't write it any better for the NFL. This is another win and in-game. Okay, two of the hottest teams in the league. I think Green Bay, Detroit, and Jacksonville are the three hottest teams in the league at this moment, Uh, and we get two of them facing off each other with a playoff berth on the line. This is, again... Just like Jets and Dolphins, this is another playoff matchup, playoff atmosphere. It's going to be electric, and I'm telling you when you're watching it, it's going to feel like a playoff game the entire time, so get ready. Both of these teams, flaming hot against the spread, okay? And in general, Lions, 6-0 against the spread in their last six games after accumulating more than 150 rushing yards, 8-1 overall in their last nine games, 7-1 in their last eight following a straight-up win against the spread. Lions are 6-1 and one in their last seven games following an against-the-spread win, and they are 12-2 and two against the spread in their last 14 versus the NFC North, and they are 5-1 and one in their last six versus the NFC Conference. The Lions, super, super hot coming into this game, okay? Now, Green Bay, also blazing hot, 4-0 against the spread in their last four games overall. Packers are 4-0 against the spread in their last four games on grass. Both of those things bode well for the Packers playing at Lambeau Field. Now, here's my pick for the game. It's the Packers, unfortunately. If they burn me again, you guys can burn me at the stake, okay, because I've taken them earlier on the season when they were dog shit, and they burned me. I'm taking them again here, and I'll tell you why, just a few reasons. Experience from Aaron Rodgers. He does own the division. I do understand that this is a different Lions team with a different mindset, with different expectations coming into this game than previous years. Uh, I think the Lions defense just gives up too many big plays. We see Aaron Rodgers developing that rapport with his wide receivers that we were looking for earlier in the season. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are coming along. They're utilizing both of them very nicely and very effectively in both the pass and the run game. The Green Bay offense looks really good. They just took down a Vikings team pretty much with ease. Um, And I personally still respect the Vikings as a football program. So I'm taking Aaron Rodgers with the experience. I'm taking Aaron Rodgers at home against the Detroit Lions. But make no mistake, this is going to be an absolute bonkers game. Okay, Green Bay Packers minus four and a half points. I do think that's too many points. You buy the Lions up to five. Green Bay wins the game. Lions cover over under 49 points. I have no fucking idea. But sit back and relax this game because it is going to be an absolutely electric matchup between these two division rivals. All right, that's going to do it. Episode 18 of Talking Balls. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, Let me know in the comments what you thought. If I messed up on anything with the uh, the cardiology section, please let me know. And um, let me know who you think is going to win these games. Let us know on TikTok. Let us know on Instagram. Comment on the YouTube videos. Again, like and subscribe to the videos. Share it with your grandma. Share it with your friend. Share it with your ex. It don't matter. Share it with everybody. All right. I appreciate all the support thus far. Stay tuned for more episodes coming your way. And we're signing out from the sack this time. 
Thank you.